Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and Attention Coach Jeff Copper. Tonight, our topic, ADHD and Autism, Co-Diagnosis and Treatment. With us in our virtual studio is Dr. Sarah Shayette. We're going to get into our show in a bit, but before we do that, a few things as it as as the, the front of our program said our program is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. In celebration of that event, we're anxiously would like to give away some free copies of Attention Magazine in digital form. Um, and to get yours, all you have to do is listen to our show. Listen for a key word that I'm going to repeat a couple times. Uh, write it down. Uh, listen to another show. Uh, listen for that keyword. Write it down. And then you just send me an email. Um, to attention at attention talk radio with both those keywords and I'll get it off to Chad and they will get you uh, a copy of the current edition, uh, edition of attention magazine PDF format and then they will send you the next one when it's printed in the same format. So again, write down the secret words and uh, send me an email attention at attention talk um, It's not too early to start planning for the uh, the International Conference on ADHD, this year the 2020 version, is going to be in uh, Dallas, Texas from November the 5th to the 7th. So you can get more information on that by going to chadd.org. Um, as I tell everybody, uh, we, we pride ourselves on really good content. In fact, we have many, 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 many uh, uh, interviews with people that presented that conference. However, um, it's no reason to pick ours over theirs in as much as you get an incredible education in the halls, talking to other people with ADHD, you get to interact with the speakers, you get to know people. It's like nothing. Um, it's really transformational. So if you haven't gone and you're in the Dallas area or you can get there, I encourage you to go hang out with the tribe. And certainly I'd love to see you. Um, I'll be walking around definitely in attendance and I'm, um, I'm pretty sure uh, Sarah's going to be there too. Um, we got a little tip that we're going to run for you uh, from Chad and then we'll get into the show. Staying focused and organized when you're working from home may be a problem for some people with ADHD. Consider managing yourself with a daily to-do list. Make sure you focus on specific actions you can take rather than vague ideas. For instance, send budget report to the boss or call Jim at 1 p.m. is likely to get done because all you have to do is read the item and you'll know what to do. For more tips and suggestions, visit chad.org. Thanks, Chad, for uh, that tip, and thanks for your continued support. For those that don't know, Chad is the largest prof- uh, the largest organization that advocates uh, for the- on behalf of those with ADHD. That's the largest nonprofit organization. Uh, we encourage all of our listeners to become members or make donations uh, because they're the ones that are on Capitol Hill speaking uh, on behalf of the ADHD community with one voice. They're also working with different regulatory agencies to work through little things. Like it sounds kind of crazy, but if you don't get the definition right, there's lots of uh, things that uh, could help those with ADHD that they wouldn't get just based off of the language. And they're the ones that are doing it. So uh, a strong financial chat is a strong financial community. And so we encourage you to become a member or to donate. Uh, you can do that by just going to chadd.org and learning more. Okay. We have done two shows on ADHD and autism. One is a lived experience 
from uh, an individual uh, with um, autistic and ADHD children, and we did a, another research, um, one that's research-based because a while ago we didn't think that you could have the two at the same time, and now we realize that you do. Uh, our show tonight is really to talk about, so if you've got somebody, uh, a significant other, or you have it, or you've got some kids that have a dual uh, diagnosis, what do you do? So with us in our virtual studio is uh, Dr. Sarah Shayette. Uh, she is a pediatric uh, neurologist and an expert in working with kids and young adults with ADHD. She's also written about ADHD online and has authored two books on the subject, Winning with ADHD and ADHD and the Focus Mind, with the goal of helping young people with ADHD learn to become independent, strong, and successful. She graduated from Princeton University and UCLA Medical School. She completed a fellowship in pediatric neurology and has had a private practice since then. She treats kids and young adults, as I mentioned earlier. Um, <clears throat> she lives in the Bay Area. She's got her husband and four boys. Um, let's see. I don't have her, her. To learn more about her, go to her website at Sarah Shayet. It's spelled uh, S-A-R-A-H-C-H-E-Y-E-T-T-E.com. And with that, Sarah, welcome to the show. Hey, it's nice to talk with you again, Jeff. Oh, I, we, we had, it's our second interview. I, we had a great, great time and very informative the first time. I'm sure it's going to be the same here. So, I just kick things off. Let's start broad stroke. It's only been a couple of years since we've actually acknowledged that a person could have ADHD and autism at the same time. We just want to talk about that a little bit, and so we'll just we'll, from there we'll get into the dynamics because I really want to focus on when you have two complex diagnoses like this. Ultimately, what do you do and how you manage it? So, just kind of talk about the recency of it, and we'll go from there. Oh, sure. That's a good thing. And, you know, when we, when you talk about in the past we hadn't thought that you could have diagnosis, that's absolutely true. But that was because of a kind of artificial rule. Um, we should spend some time talking about what goes into a diagnosis because kind of understanding that is the basis of understanding, you know, how we – um, think about the diagnoses and therefore how we make the diagnoses and how um, they can coexist or not. That's great. Um, let's, let's, a lot, I love that education. Yeah, so, I mean, go to the doctor and you've got a red spot on your arm or something like that. Um, the doctor would do three things uh, to figure it out. So they would take a history like, how long has it been there and has it been changing? Is it getting worse? Is it getting better? Um, they would do an exam and, you know, measure it and look at the characteristics of it and make sure you don't have red spots other other places of your body. And, you know, they would do tests as needed. So for the red spot, they might biopsy it. You know, if you had came in with a stomach ache or something else, you might get a CAT scan or, you know, there's a bunch of different tests that doctors use including increasingly genetic tests. But these tests work only when the biology of what you're talking about is well understood. So we know what we're looking for. We have tests that can show it. And that is a lot um, more common in sort of body disorders but in neuropsychiatric conditions like autism and ADHD, we don't have tests that show what we want it to show. So mm -hmm. one of our best tests 
of looking at the brain would be an MRI scan. But an MRI scan isn't a microscope. It sort of shows major structures that can be seen with the naked eye, but it doesn't tell us anything about, the, you know, how the brain is working. So, like, it's like if you took an MRI of a tomato, you could count the seeds in it, but you wouldn't know anything about the tomato, including how it tastes. So, um, you know, we just, there are some kind of um, metabolic tests, like PET scans and so on of the brain too, but these are just really gross level tests. So for the kinds of things that we're going to be talking about on today's show, we really don't have good tests. We're starting to have more genetic tests, but we know that there can be hundreds and hundreds of genetic variations within a diagnosis of autism or ADHD. So that's a can of worms that we don't quite understand yet either. Plus, what happens when you have genetic issues and then other factors like a prenatal infection or malnutrition or stress? So the interactions between all of these things will eventually lead to some sort of diagnosis, but you kind of have to understand that um, a diagnosis is not so simple in neuropsychiatric conditions. And our major handbook of diagnoses, the DSM-5, the fifth edition as it is now, is kind of a, a gross category of behavior into neat little divisions but we all know that the brain does not go with neat little divisions. So, you know, keep that in mind when we're talking about ADHD versus autism versus both. It's only, um, you know, there are definitely qualitative differences, but there can be very similar issues in both. And um, how we categorize the brain, which has historically been based on symptoms, since we don't have a great exam and we don't have great tests, um, uh, you know, they this may not be the right way to be thinking about the brain. And in 20 or 30 years or 50 or whatever, maybe 10, um, we'll have more information and our ways of thinking about all this will be very um, different. So I guess the main message there is don't get hung up on diagnosis, although there are definitely some differences. So it's, I, I'm really glad that you, you took the time to kind of walk through that. And I do want to – it reminds us of a, of a show that we did a while ago, um, which really talked about a love-hate relationship with a label. <clears throat> we like the label <laughs> – to get accommodations and stuff like that, but the problem when you label something, you quit paying attention to it. So if I ask somebody, that's to think exactly of the right, Jeff. Exactly. Yeah, that's so exactly you, right. And I'm just going to run it with the metaphor. If I ask you to think of a shade of red, or if I, the color red, you'd pick a color in your mind, but there's an infinite number of shades of red. And the idea really yeah. is, is the problem is once we look at that red, there's only that one color. And I, really, what you're yeah. saying is, is we, we do we categorize that stuff. At the end of the day, the problem is is we can't fall into that label because as when you met one person with ADHD, you've met one person with ADHD. They're all completely different across the board. And so at the end of the day, you got to, we have to deal with the individual 
not necessarily the diagnosis. However, at the same time, the diagnosis can give us clues as to maybe what's kind of going on. So it's like a love-hate relationship, right? <laughs> it sure it sure is. And I love that metaphor with the red because it's right. You see red, I think about the last red I saw. I think about my favorite yep. shade of red, and then I think I know red. And I think I know what I'm talking about, and I assume that you're talking about the same shade of red. But, um, you know, the diagnoses are useful for insurance companies, they're useful for researchers, and they're useful, of course, for school administrators who say, you know, if you have X, then we do Y. However, behavior is not so easily categorized. And I sometimes wish that it would be illegal for me to make a diagnosis before the age of, like, I don't know, 15 or something like that. Yep. because. People can change over time, and um, people come in for diagnoses, but I do feel bad about it because I, I have a hard time saying there's one word that sums you up, yep. and, um, you know, there's a lot of overlap. For example, for ADHD, I think there's such a huge difference between people who have ADHD and who also happen to be organized versus people who have ADHD and organization is not their thing. The outcomes are totally different. There's a huge difference in outcomes between people with ADHD who are really driven to succeed, you know, who will stop at nothing to get what they want versus people who are more laid back and who say, yeah, let's see what happens. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. You know, and the, the diagnostic criteria do not take that into account whatsoever. Great. So I tell you what, I want to hold our thought right here because it's a good stop. I want to go to break real quick. When we come back, I want to kind of get into this a little bit because I, I love how you, you, you've kind of teed this up. Everybody listening, you look, learn more about Sarah by going to her, her website, and it's S-A-R-A-H-C-H-E-Y-E-T-T-E.com. And our secret word tonight is actually going to be Sarah. Uh, again, our secret word is Sarah, so we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Do you worry when your child is left out? Does your child have trouble making and keeping friends? Life skills can be challenging for ADHD kids. Learn how you can be your child's greatest ally by reading the book Ned Hollowell described as a game changer. Michelle Borba referred to as the ultimate guide for parents. And Michael Thompson praised as the groundbreaking book you've been waiting for. Go to playbetterplan.com to buy a copy of Caroline McGuire's book, Why Will No One Play With Me? While you're there, subscribe to download her free mini-course on developing social skills for children. That's playbetterplan.com. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an Edge Foundation coach, specifically trained to help students with ADHD and Executive Function Challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. 
Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by GigCoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're having a great conversation with Dr. Sarah Shayette. Um, and, you know, one of the cool things about being me is you do these interviews and you bring people on, and I'm hell-bent that I think I got something figured out. In the middle of the show, I start having a bunch of ahas and I learn something, and the show goes in a different direction. But it's a lot of fun because I get to learn a lot. And I've, I've, over the years, I started this program years ago because I have a hard time writing and I did it for social media person purposes but little did I know I would get an amazing education by interviewing experts like Sarah. Um, Sarah, the, the, the way we describe this is interesting because we like the categories because it gives us an insight um, to it but at the same time it blinds us and I will say personally one of the things that I'm most proud of as a coach is having an open mind and frequently people will come to me with a diagnosis of ADHD and I'll be coaching them and I'll hear an abnormality or something just doesn't really fall in and we'll spend some time languaging it to go talk to their mental health professional I'd say between a dozen and 15 times I've worked with somebody and they went and we we, we language it back to a mental health professional and they like some of them actually said, I got it wrong. I have a misdiagnosis, and they make actually make that change. And I'm sharing that for a couple reasons. One is it's hard to categorize behavior, but two, you got to have an open mind in some of this, and you have to watch what's kind of going on. So I'm setting the table with that. But at the same time, before this, we were talking about if you have ADHD and you have autism, you might interrupt somebody on the ADD side. It might be from a self-regulation issue, but from an autism side, it might be a restricted thinking issue. And understanding and having those mindsets and being able to witness and observe in order to help somebody and treat them, I think that's really kind of valuable, but it's a wealth of knowledge and really kind of complex. Can you just kind of talk to us about this? Because, again, we like the labels, but this is kind of complicated. But still, if we understand the nature of one, we can have that mindset that might actually help us move forward. Just can you take yeah. it from there? Just, I just, I'm just interested in your thoughts. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the, there are differences, and I certainly don't mean to imply, but um, autism, as your uh, listeners probably realize, involves more issues with social skills and relating to other people. So um, uh, both ADHD and autism could have difficulties with social skills, and that may be something that as you get to know somebody in your practice, Jeff, as you're excavating mm-hmm. their aha <laughs> moment for them, um, you might go, oh, we, um, we're having more problems with social skills than I typically see. Um, you can imagine that if you have somebody with ADHD who's very impulsive and whose brain is racing, um, their eyes may be kind of floating around the room as you're talking to them. Um, you may have a hard time maintaining eye contact with them. In ADHD, it might be more because their brain is going, 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 and they're getting distracted by other things in the room. With autism, you might have similar eye contact issues, 
However, they may be for, for more from avoiding the social contact rather than just an impulsive brain going wherever it gets taken. And so, you know, that would be an example of um, a similar thing that you might see in both of these disorders or spectrums or whatever you'd like to call them, but for somewhat different causes. Um, we do know that from studies, you know, people in both autism and ADHD spectrums have a harder time with recognizing, um, you know, sort of the expression in people's eyes. Um, if you are impulsively jumping around, you don't necessarily take the time to see the eyes. But in autism, they may have a hard time with just understanding how eyes look when somebody's interested or sad or both. And when you're working with somebody, I'm getting really granular right here. I'm kind of curious that has the two of them. In terms of when you're working with them and kind of treat and help them kind of go forward, how do you do that? Are you really are you looking there to try to – because it seems to me if one of them is more self-regulation but one's more recognizing, how you would work with them would would vary. Or maybe, yeah, I, so, maybe I'm off base. Go ahead. Well, the, the aims might be a little bit different. So, for example, if you're a coach and you're working with somebody who is on the autistic spectrum, you might need to coach more towards – social understanding of of people and, you know, just not assuming that people get what you might naturally get from people's nonverbal behavior. Um, if you're coaching more of an ADHD person with social skills, it may be more of slow down and listen rather than teaching them to understand what the people are saying. So the coaching aims may be different. Um, there's also medication, which could be helpful for both types of things. But, um, let's, you know, focusing on the coaching, social skills, slow down and listen, and um, trying to figure out what's important to that person is um, important in both. So for autism, for example, um, you could think about it as um, their attention systems for social interactions don't turn on. So their attention systems for the uh, shapes of the fence might be super high for reasons mm -hmm. that I, as a non-autistic non person, don't quite get. But their attention is super high for that and super low for having a conversation with somebody. Um, and so um, their attention goes to what's super interesting for them. And in ADHD, there's a similar mechanism, right? With all of us, actually, our attention is better for things that are interesting. So, so I'm, I'm listening to your narrative and conversation. It's really interesting to me is people in this space, when you've got this and you want to help them move forward, whether it's therapeutic or coaching or, or whatever means it is, what I like about this conversation is it's really highlighting how helping them is a bit of an art, not necessarily a science because it's so complicated. It's really a lot about listening and observing and opening the mind. So we can have those diagnoses come in to give us the lens to look through and be curious, but we can't be confined by that lens in order to make the observation to make the determination of maybe where this is coming from so that you could determine how you help them the most. Is that, does that make some sense? That's, it's really, I mean, it's very much art. That's exactly right. And, you know, if you 
open up, and my patients do this. It's all online. And, you know, if you open up a, uh, the DSM, it's almost like a cookbook. If you have three parts of lack of social interaction, two parts of repetitive behavior or whatever, and a tablespoon of whatever, you get a diagnosis of autism. And if you have, you know, three parts distractibility, two parts procrastination, and a tablespoon of irresponsibility, then you get a diagnosis of ADHD, but it's it's not like that. Um, there's so many factors, and listening to the person is the best thing for diagnosis. And, and kind of understanding, you have to really individualize how you think about a person. And so this, this I love this. I, this is I want to I want to stop here and go to break when we come back because I want to kind of talk about this art a little bit and the notion of trying to find some help. Again, our listeners, if you're not fascinated with Sarah already, you should be now, and you got to go check out her website. It's s a r a h c h e y e t t e dot com. Our secret word tonight is Sarah, and with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit EdgeFoundation.org to learn more how an EDGE coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We are here with uh, Dr. Ciro Syed. We're having a, a great conversation. The great thing about being me um, on Attention Talk Radio is you bring the experts in, you start asking questions. In the middle of the show, you start to have some ahas. And I get to learn so much a part of the process, and I'm having a, a spectacular time, um, really, in this particular interview. I, I like how uh, Sarah kind of framed out, you know, the DSM, and we categorize those behavior type things, and it's really useful for um, insurance reasons and categorizations. But at the same time, there's the art of understanding the individual and really listening and observing. And I know that one of the things that I'm very proud of is I've had many people that come came to me with, for coaching, and I was listening and coaching them, and I would hear things that just seemed to be a little different from what I had heard in the past, and I'll work with the individual to kind of articulate what we're noticing back to the mental health professional. And about 12 to 15 times this has happened, and the person's gone in, and the diagnosis has been changed. And about eight or nine of those times, I was really excited because they went back to the person that gave them the di- diagnosis, and that person, wow, I missed it and reversed it. I'm sharing that story for a few reasons. One, 
it's managing this and helping those is really a lot about listening and observing and not um, getting confused or blinded by what you think it is. At the same time, I also want to illustrate how complex it is. These are, these are trained professionals that do this all the time, and they're able to miss some things too. And I really credit those individuals for kind of, kind of changing their mind around. So kind of moving forward, I want to kind of talk about the, the complexities here. So you have uh, – we know that we got to, to observe, watch, and treat the individuals, yet we have the categories of – in the DSM, but there's also an understanding of the differences between ADHD and autism or other types of things in order for you to listen. And so I want to kind of just talk through some of these things from your perspective. So you could have a person that interrupts quite a bit um, and, and people with autism struggle a little bit more social skills and the appearance is that they're interrupting, but there's an autism side and there's an ADHD side. Can you talk about those differences? Cause so we can begin to illustrate some of the nuances and the complexities of trying to figure out kind of which lens to look through. Absolutely, Jeff, and, and you summed that up uh, beautifully. Um, and as a professional, I will say I'm a person and a professional, and, you know, my strengths and weaknesses come to um, part of the diagnosis. If I'm not listening well or if I don't have the information, which you as a coach you have a lot of information that professionals do not have. And I really wish that the communication between coaches and, you know, doctors could be improved because you guys have a lot of insight as to the person. But to answer your question, um, what I would say is let's take a behavior like interrupting too much. Um, mm -hmm. Somebody with ADHD may be interrupting too much because they are, impulsive because they, you know, just have a lot of things that are going on in their mind. They're jumping to this, oh, oop, and sometimes they uh, interrupt too much because they're just not listening to what you said because they're thinking about what they're saying. Sometimes they interrupt too much because they're afraid that they're going to forget what they're going to say. They know that their mind just goes really quickly, and some people also have a hard time with the memory part of remembering what you're going to say. So... There's a lot of reasons why even within ADHD, a person may interrupt too much. But somebody with autism also may be interrupting too much for a different reason. So same behavior, but a different reason. For example, in autism, they may be interrupting too much because they only want to talk about what they want to talk about. And you try to talk about something, and they're like, no, I want to bring it back to this. And so autism people tend, or autistic people tend to be a little bit more fixated on one thing and may interrupt, for example, because they are only wanting to stick with that one thing. So before we talked, you described this, and you used the word restricted thinking. And I want to use that word because I think it's really kind of helps kind of categorize this and this really goes to the epicenter of really what I wanted to illustrate is because we are a very appearance-based society we we judge things based off of appearance and there's a quote that I love and that is the sun does not rotate around the earth but without the right technology it looks like it does and so <laughs> that's a great this, quote it, it, when we sit there and think about this and we talk about ADHD and autism, it's just not the observance of that behavior, the symptomatic, it's understanding the invisible side. 
And being educated and understanding that those with ADHD might have more restricted thinking and those with ADHD might have more self-regulation, it is a lens that you use to look at this stuff to discern. And I'm sure that there's even something else that we're missing because there might be another condition that's involved. But this really illustrates that complexity because you just can't jump to the conclusion that they're interrupting. There's one solution that fits them, particularly when you got people with kind of a dual diagnosis. And even then, you might have somebody who's it's self-regulation and then it's more restricted thinking. And so there's a real, again, going back to the art of this. So Yeah. So um, first of all, I just want to be really clear. Um, for some people, dual diagnosis means that they have um, – substance abuse in addition to some other psychiatric issues. So I think maybe the best term might be, you know, double diagnosis. And so um, uh, just just to be really clear there. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad and, you said And so uh-huh. go I got no, go on that thing, dual diagnosis, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, don't use that. So, um, anyways, uh, you know, like you said, the technology has to be there. And just to be really 100% blunt, nobody today has the technology that we need. Um, the genetic testing companies don't have it, even though some of them will tell you that, you know, they can tell you exactly what medicine to be put on. They can't do that. Um, there's, you know, MRIs, PET scans, spec scans. No, These are just ridiculously um, uh very unuseful. <laughs> they're, they're stabs in the dark. So um, don't get too hung up on it. But um, when we have technology, I think we're going to be um, better able to say where this is coming from. Um, even, you know, I'm not that old, Jeff, although some days I feel like <laughs> that, I guess. But, you know, in the beginning of my career, we did not diagnose anybody with autism unless basically they were, you know, in the corner banging their head and not able to uh, talk. But now I have, you know, parents and other people walk into my office saying, you know, I'm autistic, don't you? And I was like, no, I didn't, you know, didn't didn't pick yep. up on that in these five minutes. So, um you know, the, the even in in the time that I've just been practicing, how we think about autism is extremely different. However, one core, um, probably the core issue with autism is, um, you know, unable to relate to other people in this in the same way that other people are able to do it naturally. And part of the reason why that happens is restricted thinking in in a vast majority of autism. So restricted thinking means, you know, you kind of have to see things your way. You're interested in the things you're interested in. It's hard for you to understand why other people might be interested in other things. And there's sort of a black and white thinking. It's sort of like my way or the way, um, you know, my way or the way, uh, you know, or I'm not going to deal with it anymore. Yep. So yep. that black and white thinking is really hard for people to deal with. It's, yeah, so I'm glad how you framed that out. I just want to touch base again on a few things that things that you can listen for, but really to illustrate the art of this, because at the end of the day, we want to really start to talk about the treatment of this, and we know that you can have a double diagnosis. So we talked about uh, um, interruptions. 
Also, I think we had talked about uh, facial expressions. Somebody with autism might not see what an expression means where a person with ADHD might not just even see it. So one's an interpretation issue, and ones are not even paying attention to it. Um, anxiety. Exactly. Anxiety for those with ADHD. And everybody, I'm just giving these. These are generalized stuff so that you can get an idea. The anxiety might come more for sensory stimulation in an environment where somebody with ADHD would be more around worry. And we've actually done some shows, and I've talked a lot about if you're if you're relying on your work and memory and it's overloaded, and you're trying to remember and you keep forgetting to remember, it sounds like worry and anxiety is really kind of the physical manifestation of it. So again, we're making that appearance because of two different things or even physical movement. We had talked about, we talk about those with autism. There's a, there's a stereotype typing thing that I think that you describe and there's a ADHD principle, like more of a fidget type thing. So again, as we, as we be, observe this behavior, it really takes a, somebody who has those observation skills. We have the categories, but we also have to throw those things out and kind of listen really to the other side and get outside of our head. If not, that's when we have difficulty. And when I've always worked with people, whenever it's hard, that's a good indication that you're inside your head and you're trying to fix it as opposed to listen. And I know that sounds constrained, but again, when I'm, when I'm teaching other coaches to mentor coach, when the, when the session gets hard, the problem is you, not them, because you're trying to fix it because we've closed our mind. Again, just open to the power of really opening up a mind and listen. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it sure does. And to add some other layers of complexity in case you needed them, yep. you know, let's say you're autistic and you're kind of born not tending to understand other people's faces. Then over time, um, you don't really look at people's faces because, you know, it doesn't really do you a whole lot of good. So. Um, you kind of wind up with whatever whatever you can call this as habit, although you are born with an intrinsic tendency that way. And then, you know, you might get rejected by peers and have lots of bad experiences with people because you don't quite get them and you don't look at them and you don't understand them. And, you know, then you could have depression set in. And, and you know, Jeff, people who are depressed tend not to look at or really be able to put their own energy into what other people are trying to tell them a lot of times, you know, mm-hmm. kind of in themselves. So there's so many layers of complexity that, um, you know, it really isn't as simple as check this box or check that box. Yep. You really yep. have to get into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, for time reasons, we need to kind of pull this thing together, but before we close things out, any last final thoughts, any last nuggets you want to share? Yeah, um, you know, you just you have an individual. You don't have a diagnosis that you know that you're dealing with, and it's really important to remember the individual and to really um, try to put your listening ears on and try to see things from that person's perspective. Try to really try to really understand that person, how that person experiences the world. And and I think I love what you said. And I, the trick to that is to when and we'll go into it now. But when somebody says they're frustrated, you can't make the assumption that you know what they mean. You really have to ask them what does that look like, um, and have them yeah. describe it. It's it's a, that's just a little subtle thing. We've actually done some shows on active listening and use like improv. Taking improv classes is a really great way to to learn active listening skills. But anyway. Right. We'll pull this thing together. And so, Sarah, I think I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show. This has been spectacular. 
Jeff, it's so fun to talk with you. I so appreciate your having me on your show. Absolutely. We're going to have to do it again. For those out there listening, please check out Sarah's website. It's sarahshayet.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-H-E-Y-E-T-T-E.com. Our secret word tonight is Sarah. With that, hope you've enjoyed it. Catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care. 